All right, my friends, welcome back to your Bible book by book. I am Pastor Luke, and this is the book of Esther. Esther is a very interesting book. Um, a lot of people will be familiar with the book of Esther because it is such a fantastic story. It reads well. It's exciting. Uh, there's just a lot of unique features to it. Um, and so we tend to read Esther um, pretty frequently because we, we really enjoy it. Now, the, the book of Esther has a lot of uh, unique features, which um, are not necessarily present in a lot of the other books of the Bible. Um, but uh, the first one that uh, needs to be mentioned is that the name of God is not mentioned in the book of Esther. It's one of only two books of the Bible that does not have the name of God in it. And yet, uh, the book of Esther has uh, a very prominent place for God's activity, that it's very subtle um, in in its uh, storytelling that God is obviously working behind the scenes. And so what we believe is that uh, the hero of the story, Mordecai, uh, wrote the book, and he wrote it in such a way that it could be placed in the uh, Persian court record. And so he uh, did not put the name of God in the book because that might have prevented it from uh, being allowed to be put into the uh, Persian court record. Uh, But Mordecai is the hero, and Esther is uh, also um, the hero of the story, and the villain is a a guy named Haman. And so what it is is uh, a story that is post-exilic, which means it occurs after the return of the Jewish people to Israel. So they've been exiled to Babylon um, for 70 years, and then they begin to return back to Jerusalem uh, around 514 uh, B.C. And this story happens uh, around 480 B.C., so uh, about 35 years after the Jewish people have returned, they've begun to rebuild their temple Uh, The walls of Jerusalem are still broken down. And so where this would fit in the the chronological um, scheme of the Bible, it would be in the middle of the book of Ezra. Um, And and so the king in this story, Xerxes, is actually mentioned in the book of Ezra in chapter 4, verse 6. So that's where this book would be folded into in the in the historical books, in the post-exilic books. Uh, but because Ezra begins um, before that event, and then it covers, you know, another 80 years of history, uh, they put Esther after Nehemiah because it, Ezra and Nehemiah both set the stage for understanding what Esther is really about. And so what the book of Esther is really about is that um, – the, the main plot is that Haman um, is seeking to destroy the, the people uh, of God, the Israelites. And it really it, it hinges on uh, a personal beef that he has with Mordecai. Uh, but as a, a villain who is basically being controlled by Satan and has a, a purely satanic plan, to not just to hurt Mordecai, but to eliminate all of God's people, um, he inadvertently um, sets himself up against uh, God himself. And so what he does is he 
persuades and manipulates the king Xerxes to write a law uh, that would allow for the the, uh, the Persians and everywhere in, one are in the Persian Empire, which covers most of the the world at that point, and it definitely covers Israel, where a lot of the Jewish people have returned, uh, that they would be able to uh, kill the Jews and take all their possessions, and so. Uh, by miraculous means, uh, Esther comes to a place of prominence. She becomes the queen of the kingdom, and uh, she is married to the king, Xerxes. And her uncle, uh, Mordecai, uh, catches wind of what's going on. And so he um, tells her at one point, and this is where the story really uh, hinges in, in the sense of knowing that this is God's activity working behind the scenes, is chapter 4, verse 14, and he tells her, he says, uh, who knows but that you have come to the royal position for such a time as this. And so what you see in the book of Esther is that God is always working um, behind the scenes or ahead of the plans of the enemy, and that uh, he's he's always uh, preemptively preparing uh, for his plan to be executed. He, He will not ever be outdone by the enemy. He's going to protect his people, and he's going to do it in such a way uh, that they can be reassured that he uh, will never fail them, that even though they've been through the exile, um, they've been through some very difficult times, and they're still struggling uh, with this sense that they're, they're being ruled by a foreign king. And uh, what the Bible tells us is that um, the the rule of the Gentiles and trampling of the holy city and and uh, all those things are going to continue uh, really until the end until Jesus returns uh, that uh, there there will be um, oppression and and uh, uh, pain and suffering that the Jewish people will go through for many many uh, hundreds and actually thousands of years. Uh, but that does not mean that God has given up on his people or that he's not fulfilling his plans. He, he is still working on their behalf. And so uh, as the story continues to unfold, uh, Esther, um, she comes up with a plan through uh, her, her character, through um, intelligence, and through charm uh, to uh, get the king to write another law. The, the Medes and the Persians had a rule that if they wrote a law, it couldn't be unwritten, it couldn't be undone. Uh, so in order to um, heal you know, the situation somehow, they had to write another law uh, that would allow for the Jewish people to defend themselves. And so that's what happens. And then the villain in the story, Haman, um, is ultimately hung on a gallows that he himself had built uh, that he had hoped to hang Mordecai on. And so uh, there's a great sense of justice and vindication in the story uh, that uh, God is working throughout, and he has um, given the people assurance that there, there is uh, hope uh, for the Jewish people, that uh, their faith is going to succeed in um, bringing about the blessing um, that they're looking for. And ultimately, that blessing is going to be found in the Messiah. So you have throughout Scripture, um, almost in, in every book, this sense that there, there's a prefiguring uh, of the Messiah, that there are people 
that uh, will act in such a way and have faith and trust in such a way that it really points to that there's an ultimate fulfillment that uh, they're not the they're not the ultimate fulfillment, but there's someone coming that God has promised who will ultimately and completely uh, redeem and save His people, and so the Book of Esther points to uh, the the reality that there will be a person coming, and this is post-exilic, so this is late in their history, and uh, even while they're undergoing still a lot of uh, pain and suffering and confusion about where they stand in the world. They've lost their prominence. They're not no longer a world power, um, and they're questioning, you know, how and when God is going to accomplish his plan. And the book of Esther points to the reality that God is still certainly on the move. He is working, and he is going to accomplish his plan in due time. And so that they can trust him and they can um, truly, you know, uh, have a place where they know that uh, God will never fail um, in all that he has promised. And so Esther uh, gives a a great um, story about how deeply um, they can trust God, even no matter where they are in the world, um, no matter what's going on, that God is still faithful and he will accomplish his plan. And so that is what Esther is all about. And uh, I would encourage you, if you haven't read it lately, go back and read it again, and uh, I promise that you will enjoy it. That is the Book of Esther, and this is your Bible, book by book.